Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Odyssey Holistic Health and Wellness Podcast, where physical meets spiritual. Hello. Hello, family, and welcome to the Odyssey Podcast, where spit. Hello, family, and welcome to the Odyssey Podcast, where physical meets spiritual. Hello, family, and welcome to the Odyssey podcast, where physical meets spiritual. And today I have with me Ronnie Thompson, the medicine man.
Good. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, hey, Trelisa, how are you doing? What's going on? How are you? Yes, I'm doing good. Been spending the day relaxing, just enjoying this rainy weather. Same. How about you? Well, I'm not enjoying it. It's so cold outside. Like, It is cold, <laughs> and I feel like it keeps going back and forth. it does. And it's like, I have to like, you know, run some errands like later. And I'm like, I don't want to go out in that cold, wet weather. <laughs> but I have been enjoying the day though. Like just chilling and relaxing. That's good. You look really, really well rested. Thank you. I am. I just got back in from South Carolina last night. So I just That's spent, amazing. yeah, most of the day just, I definitely slept in. And then I That's spent most a... of the day just chilling and, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's what's up. That's a whole different energy down there. It's really relaxed <laughs> and I feel like rejuvenated at the same time. it was, I was so sad to come back. <laughs> Ooh, that may be your calling, Trelise. You may need to move down there, to be honest. I don't, man, it's crazy. I know I'm supposed to go somewhere, somewhere down south. Like, it was, I did feel like homey vibes down there. But my friend, she was just like telling me about like all the racism and stuff like that. And yeah, I'm, you know, that's not going to go well with me. <laughs> Do you feel like it is prevalent or do you feel like it's different for those that have lived there for a long time? I'm I'm not curious. even I'm not sure. She was she's been there for a while, I think, but she and she's been back and forth. She's lived up here too, because she's in the, was in the Navy. Mm -hmm. And so she Wow. lived like she lived um in Fort Meade for a while. And, you know, she was just saying, like, yeah, it's definitely different. Like she was like, it's racist here. Like even when we were down there, like when we were Mm. driving to certain places, like when sunset was hitting, she was like, Yeah, she was like, There's still sundown towns here and certain places she was like yeah she was like it's actually safe for us to be here and you know it's cool for us to be around here and I was like in my head I'm like the 1930s like what is happening you know what I'm saying like Right. I mean I, I feel covered but like I still I don't know um I don't like that Yeah, that's you shouldn't be living in fear. <laughs> I think no matter where you're at, you shouldn't live like that. mm-hmm Not at all. Not at all. How was your uh break? Yes, my break has been beautiful. I took this week off, so it's been a lot of resting, a lot of eating, and Liberating. just really relaxing. And I did a lot of um, cleaning my space. And today I was going through my photo albums and just cleaning them out. Like I have a lot of screenshots of quotes and I'm like, what needs to be here and what does not need to be here? So I deleted, I think, Trilisa over 2,000 photos today. Wow. Yes, I bet you that yes. was an energetic lift, though. It was a lift and I need to go back because I have a lot of photos. So I said, okay, this takes a lot of time and energy. And I'm like, I don't have the bandwidth this week. So I said, okay, come back to this. December because I'll be off again I said you can just take time and go through and delete more stuff That's a lot of pictures. it's a lot of pictures yes and I have like 20,000 pictures Wait, 20,000 I love taking photos like but I'm just like I don't think I need all of these I feel like some may be duplicates there's some stuff that's just like it needs to go you know Mm -hmm. I feel you. I feel you. Some like with the I feel like with the photos and um oh, little bird photos and um social media, I like have to do it in doses because it's like so much. Yes, You know, yep. like you could just be deleting. <laughs>
<laughs> like all day, forever and ever. But forever. it's just a satisfying feeling when you like delete large amounts at a time. Like, so. <laughs> it really is. I feel like it's a spiritual release. Mm-hmm. Like I'm disconnecting <laughs> from whatever this, you know, either person, place, memory was, or it's like, I just don't need like taking up space. So whatever. Exactly. I like your setup too. Is that mic in your space or is that part of the background? Oh, it's in my space. That is dope. Okay. I see you. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited. I only used it like twice. I'm so excited my, too. my, my uh, mic again. I see you get your headset in. <laughs> yes, that's right. I have one headphone in because they're noise canceling. So it's like, I can hear what's happening and then I can hear you as well. Okay, cool. So you can see the Zoom is already recording. This is yes. going to be a very casual conversation. And I'm going to like, it's not going to be like, I'm going to edit it. You know what I'm saying? So Sweet. if we have a question or we're on a question and like, you know, you didn't like the answer you gave or I don't know, you felt like you stumbled and you just want to start over. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just let me know. And then I'll, we'll do it over. Like I'll ask again and then we'll start over. Um, you know, after all is said and done, if you are like thinking like, hey, you know, I don't really want to say or I didn't mean to say that or I don't want to say that. Or, I don't want that part out. You know, you can just let me know and like I won't post it or I'll edit it out and things like that. Appreciate that. <laughs> so um, do you have any questions for me before we start asking mm-hmm. questions to you? <laughs> um, No questions for you. I like how you explain the format. It sounds really casual really relaxed i love how you mentioned that there's editing so it's like if there is something that comes out it's like hey Trilisa, we gotta like we was getting too casual <laughs> i don't know if i want to say that <laughs> yes i got you because <laughs> i know sometimes we can go that way so <laughs> when we start yes talking. but no i feel um pretty good i want to say before we get started thank you for giving me the opportunity to even be on your platform that that's huge and i appreciate because a lot of people, you may know them and they may do stuff like this, but it's rare when someone's just like, hey, I want to, you know, have you on my platform and connect and what is it? Connect and just talk things through. So I appreciate you for holding the space. Oh, thank you, Ronnie. No, I appreciate you for holding space with me as well and like wanting to be on my platform and things. And yeah. me always like I really, really appreciate that. So absolutely. All right. So let's get started. All right. Ready? I'm ready. Alrighty. So here today we're interviewing Ronnie Townsend. Hi, Ronnie. How are you? Hello, everyone. I'm doing good. <laughs> so Ronnie Townsend is a friend of mine. I met Ronnie. Ooh, I don't even know how many years ago it was, but it was years ago. Um, we were in our Reiki training, and I was an assistant for one of Reiki, um, one of Ronnie's Reiki classes, and that is how we met, and we kept in contact ever since. Um, and one of the special things about Ronnie that I found out that I didn't know upon meeting him is that Ronnie is a medicine man, along with being a Reiki master. So I thought that was absolutely amazing. I wanted to get Ronnie on this platform just to talk about, you know, being a Reiki master, being a medicine man, being a black man in America. And I know I talked a lot about him, so I'm going to let him, you know, introduce himself a little bit. Ronnie. <laughs> yes, Trilisa, thank you so much for the introduction. And hello, everyone. So my name is Ronnie. And just to tell you guys some things about myself. So as Trilisa mentioned, I'm a medicine man and also a Reiki master. And outside of my spiritual realm, I would say that in everyday life, I work as a project manager in the IT field. And also I'm an artist. I love hiking. I love cooking. 
and just learn new things. I would say that I'm someone who is a lifelong learner. Thanks, Ronnie. And y'all, Ronnie said he likes cooking and he can like really cook. So like I follow <laughs> Ronnie's Facebook pages and uh, Instagram pages and he's always like posting his meals. And I'm just like, we've been friends forever. And like, I have not gotten a plate yet. So what's going on? <laughs> we have that picnic in that pot. <laughs> we got to, but yeah, he can really cook. But anyway, back yeah. to the subject. So of course you're here today to talk about like being a medicine man and spirituality. So I want to start with what is a medicine man like we're in the community we may know about it we may be knowledgeable but just for the everyday person you know like what is a medicine man and also is there a such thing as a medicine woman wow that is this is a really good question so just to break down what a medicine man is i think that in the spiritual community we have herbalists you know we have um healers we have all these different categories for different people that do different things um, if we think about our herbalists, we know that they work with herbs. So to describe a medicine man, I would say that they are a healer and that they're someone that walks in between two worlds. The deep thing about a medicine man is that they're multifaceted in a way that they can help out with many things. And I would say that medicine men, if you look at every culture, whether it's indigenous American cultures, whether it's African cultures, European cultures, there were medicine men and medicine women and all of those cultures that went back to ancient times. I feel like if you still have them and commune with them in everyday life, but I think that it's something that's becoming more and more rare as we go into the future. And are there such thing as medicine woman? Yes, they're hundred percent medicine woman. And it's really powerful because a lot of medicine women have this innate divine connection with the earth. And I think because we're operating out of a patriarchal society, in the Western sense, and in many countries today, a lot of the times, to be honest, medicine women are, I would say they aren't as focused on as much as medicine men. And if you look at that field of healing and practicing of the medicine in general, a lot of the times it seems like medicine women are often on the outer skirts. Thank you, Ronnie, for sharing that. Um, and it's interesting you say that about the medicine women because I feel like that's reflected in regular society too. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's the man's world out here. So it's just funny how in the physical and the spiritual, you kind of see some of those same like paradigms. Um, one of the things that you said that caught my ear was you said um, a medicine man or woman is a person who walks in between worlds. Can you explain exactly what that means, walking in between two worlds? Yes, 100%. So we have our physical world that we're living in right now, physical in the sense of being in this form, in this spacesuit, but also, you know, being able to touch and feel things like if I took this water bottle right here, I can feel it. But then we have that spiritual realm, which is the unseen realm. Um, and this is where we receive those spiritual matches, messages from. This is where we have spiritual downloads that come in. You know, if we're channeling or we're doing dream work, and a lot of the times, medicine women and medicine men are working with that spiritual realm. And I would say that it's different and unique for each person. So there may be one medicine woman that works through her dreams. She may meditate in the evening and have a dream about the answer for that particular client. Or the medicine man may do um, fire gazing, looking into a fire, asking a question or crystal gazing. So when we're talking about walking in between those two worlds, in a sense, they're receiving divine messages from the spiritual realm that's going to help them out, but also help the people that we're working with as well. 
So, so can you do that? Do you, do you consider yourself a person who walks in between two realms? I would say yes, a hundred percent. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Mine comes in the way of channeling. So if I want to channel, I can um, take a step back. I can ask spirit the question and meditate and those spiritual downloads will come through. Sometimes it's dream work for me as well. Um, Crystal gazing, it can be done via fire gazing and also connecting with the person um, via psychic touch. Of course, touching a healthy sense of just having their hand and asking their spiritual permission. And when we're connecting in that way, receiving downloads and messages from their spirit guides as well. Nice, nice. Thank you for sharing that, because that was definitely my next question. I was going to say, what are your most, um, I guess, like popular, not popular, but what are the modalities you use most or the ways in which you connect? And you answer that for me. So awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Um, Another question that I have and others may have, um, would you say a medicine man and a shaman are the same thing or are they different? Like, yeah. This is a very good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that they're similar in a sense, but also that they're different in a sense as well. Um, one thing that I would notice about different cultures is that the medicine man is almost born into that particular culture or that sex. So meaning a lot of the times with lineage, a medicine man may be well known by a community. Their father may have been a medicine man um, or their mother or their grandparents. There are also cases where a medicine man or medicine woman actually has gifts that are bestowed to them almost in an unknown way. That's what happened to me. I came from a lineage of relatives that did this. It was actually my grandmother. I had no idea. And then I ended up tapping into those gifts later on in life. So a lot of times there's lineage that's involved with a medicine man or medicine woman, and the community knows it. Now, in modern society, we may not be living in the tribal, some of us, but some of us, we may not. But that ancestral bloodline is still there. Um, Whereas for a shaman, a lot of the times they may be more so of a general healer. Um, It may have been someone that has said that, you know, I'm a shaman, that they have appointed that title to themselves, whereas, (laughs) yes, a a lot of that these days. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So I would just say, just to make it simple, that there's more lineage for medicine men or medicine women, but it can get confusing at times because if you were to do like a Google search, the meanings in terms of like book form, they're almost they're almost synonymous with each other, meaning that they almost seem identical, but there is a difference. Okay, I thought so. So does one belong to one cultural group more than another? If you know what I'm saying, like, I don't even know. I don't know what I'm asking. Like, would a shaman, is a shaman more like a, just completely making this up just for, to frame a question. Would a shaman like, belong more to like East African culture and a medicine man belong more to North American native culture. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, very good question. So to be honest with you, I would say that I don't know a hundred percent, but I would say that I do notice from my experience and perception that I've seen the medicine woman or medicine men more commonly and say African and indigenous native American tribes. Okay. Whereas when I'm looking at say, East Asian or Asian in particular, or even some tribes that may be 
in Australia, I've seen that word shaman a lot more in those particular regions, also Pacific Islanders. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you for answering that for me. Um, you touched on it, our next question a little bit before um, about how you came into being a medicine man. Like, <laughs> I'm sure you just didn't like, hey, I want to be a medicine man. Like, let's, you know, and you said yours is um, lineage based. So I know you mentioned, you know, you work with the Navajo nations and things like that. Can you tell us a bit about, you know, I guess the story about you discovering, you know, your grandmother's gifts and you tapping into them and, you know, just your progression, you know, to medicine man. Yes, a hundred percent. So it's real interesting. I, I would say that I came from a family where growing up, we would always talk about things like deja vu. We would talk about things like psychic visions or energy and vibes way before it was mainstream. I'm talking about early love 2000s. It. Same. Yes, because <laughs> this stuff, as you know, this was taboo back then. If you were to talk about anything like this, people would be looking at you like you're crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and I can remember one of the things that happened to me was, this is like a really simple story, but in third grade, I was third grade, I had a dream that this kid had taken my seat. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, I'm sitting here now. He was like, you can't sit here anymore. And but the way that he framed it in the dream was that I was talking too much and I was not concentrating on my work. Right. The next day, that literally happened, the exact same thing. Wow. Kid told the teacher, you know, Ronnie's not talking too much. He's not focusing on his work. And I think that'll be a good idea if we switch seats. So the teacher was like, yeah, like he has been talking a lot and she switched the seat. And that to me freaked me out. And I remember telling my parents and they were saying like, yeah, like sometimes we have dreams that come true. And then I remember telling my grandparents and they were like, yeah, you know, that's part of like things that happen. But I said, does everyone go through this? They said, not everyone, but some people are blessed with the gift of sight. They mm -hmm. said it in a general way because I was such a, I was a kid. And as I got older, things like this kept happening. And I used to think that it happened to everyone. I didn't think that it was a special kind of a gift or something that not everyone experiences. So it got even to the point where if someone did something to me, like they were bullying me, I would just call upon spirit. I would call upon God, say a prayer. In some way, somehow the situation was always taken care of. Right. So I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Fast forward to many years later, um, at when I'm in my early 20s. So you mentioned the Navajo Nation. Right, right, um, right. Yes, I was thankful after graduating from college back in 2017 to live out there for a year of volunteer service um, as a special education teacher and IT specialist. And I remember I kept having this weird experience where every time I would drive over the school entrance, it would feel like someone was grabbing my heart. Mm. And I felt this for like a month before I finally said, okay, you need to say something to the other staff members. And I remember telling a colleague about it and he was saying that there is someone that works here that's not happy about a change that happened. And they've been doing a lot of witchcraft, um, negative, baneful witchcraft against the workplace. And they said, it's very interesting that you can sense that because they said someone to be able to sense that would have to have some kind of a medicine-like ability. Mm -hmm. I remember just looking at them like I was confused and they were saying, you have the gift of healing and we want to like, you know, we're going to be thinking about having a healing ceremony for the workplace and we would like to bring you in. And once that started, I remember that colleague, 
I don't know, for some way, somehow she had sensed it and started to really target me spiritually. Oh, wow. And yes. And I could just sense that. And then I ended up telling my colleague, the one that was um, helping out and everything about that situation, they were saying that that colleague could see that you were offering healing and support and could see your future as a medicine man and did not like that. And that right there was the wake up call. Because once we got through that situation, they said, you need to offer up your gifts to help and heal others because that's part of your purpose and journey in this world. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, it seemed so big to me and it seemed like so out of reach and so scary. But I think that that was meant to happen almost as a catalyst to say, Definitely. Okay. <laughs> oh, you can keep going. <laughs> Yes, no, but yeah, I was just letting it all kind of settle in. But yeah, just as a catalyst, because I think that as a medicine person, for anyone, there's always some kind of catalyst. And typically it's negative because it has to almost catapult you into saying these are the gifts that you have and these are how you can help. So we ended up having that healing ceremony for the school and so much changed so much change. And that person that was doing all that stuff, unfortunately, ended up getting let go. Um, so what they were doing almost backfired on them spiritually. And one thing that I remember about the work and that I always keep with me is that we didn't send the arrow back, but we gave the situation up to God. And they were saying that it's more powerful because you eliminate that karma. Um, a lot of people don't know that when you're sending stuff back, especially if you're trying to curse, that you actually accrue karma, even the most powerful of the powerful. So that when you release that to God, you're saying, okay, I'm giving you the jurisdiction to handle the situation. And God came through 100%. Vengeance is mine, said the Lord. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I'm so like, there's a couple of things I want to touch on, but I'm glad you said that because I feel like when you, you know, out yourself as a person who practices you know magic or you're in a traditional or indigenous um religion spiritual cultural practice like i think that's the first thing that people jump to or the first thing they think about oh you you do voodoo or you hex or you you know um you do black mat you know cursing love spells like all kind of stuff like that and most of these practices like started off with with the intention like to heal you know what i'm saying and you know there's just good and bad and everything like even the abrahamic religions you know what i'm saying That's so right. i just feel i wish that that what do you, what do you call it that stereotype you know which mm -hmm. is kind of disappear like there's people who do it there's people who don't like there's people who do bad things there's people who don't that's just life you know what i'm saying that's right and also sending it giving it to god you know handling the situation with love you know what i'm saying is always the answer and it's yes. so hard because of our ego i feel mm -hmm. like that's I, right i just feel like that's why it just makes it you know you get that good karma or whatnot because you're you're literally battling your flesh and like i'm not gonna retaliate i'm gonna give it to god this is not my place and when you do that i feel like you're rewarded when you try to fight fire with fire, you know, you just get fire and chaos. So exactly. <laughs> it goes real deep. It does. It does. And I love that you had parents who were supportive, you know, with the things that you were going through and they were knowledgeable and they were like open. You know, some of us like me, I didn't 
Like, you know, from one side of my family, like my parents were those, you're not supposed to be talking about that and all that kind of stuff. Even though like they would talk about having dreams and stuff themselves. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. What is going on here? Um, so I think you are very fortunate and lucky to have that guidance and just your story of, <laughs> you know, just that person and it being a catalyst. I agree with you there. Like when it comes to like a spiritual journey or a spiritual awakening, it does tend to see tend to be negative for some reason. Yes. And I do agree that it's, you know, to open your eyes. Um I feel like a lot of us who have a negative spiritual awakening or something like that, you know, we have hints and signs. Oh, yes. Way back when, but we don't act on them or we ignore them. That's so right. Spirit is like, let me shake things up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> you can't run from this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So thank you for um thank you for sharing that. So on to my next question. So I I excuse my ignorance here. But looking at you, you look like a black male. Like I'm a black female. You like black male. I could be wrong. <laughs> but meaning, you know, you had like ancestors that were enslaved here in the States. Am I right or am I wrong? Oh, you're correct. Okay. So how did I know you told the story, but like how did how did that connection, how did you end up on the inside of, of Navajo nation, because we, I feel like we all know and hear, you know, they're kind of very exclusive, you know, um, what are they called? I can't think of them. Um, the natives, they have like their own, what is it called? Like territories in the U S or I can't think it's a name. Mm. For it. um, so you're saying like, in terms of they have their reservations, but there we go. Their reservations. It, right? Yeah. They have their reservations and usually, you know, they're very, you know, they're a tight community or whatnot. So how'd you, how'd you end up there? Like, <laughs> so very good question. And I love how you wrote the question down because I explained to like how I got there, but I get the sense of when you're asking your question, you're almost asking like, how did you end up ingrained in this spiritual community? Yes. Able to pick up the traditions. So that's a really good question. So I would say that they are open, really welcoming people, but they aren't open to like what you just mentioned in terms of sharing their traditions. Like that's considered very sacred and they want to make sure that whoever is going to be invited or a part of that, that they're respectful and that they're open. Um, I remember when I was living there attending so many different ceremonies. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of ceremonies utilized for the purpose of healing in different ways and seeing the power of those ceremonies. And I would say that oftentimes I would ask a lot of my colleagues questions. Like I would say, you know, tell me about your spiritual traditions um, and what ways do you pray? And a lot of the ways that they prayed, I remember were similar to ways that I had heard my grandparents saying growing up, like they would say, we always acknowledge the four sacred directions. Um, a lot of times we may use elements. We may use the air element with the candle, mix it with fire. We may pray in front of a fireplace. There was amplification discussed with utilizing elements. And this is when it got deep because I knew this would not be openly discussed to anyone who wasn't ready to listen. And I always learned to pray for good. Um, because that energy is so powerful that once again, that karma, if you're praying for bad, they said it's going to come back. So, yes. Not this lifetime, maybe the next, maybe the next. That's right. back, folks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and 
just seeing a lot of the traditions and lessons and how openly they were taught, I really remember just being respectful and listening because there were a lot of things that I had wondered about for many, many years, things that I had heard in my family that were similar alignments. And this is when I began to ask the questions about, like you talked about earlier, with how on the surface, you know, I present or appear as someone that is Black American, as do you as well, but wondering what does it mean to be Black American? Because there were so many things while living there that I saw that were similar to cultural upbringings. Um, like for instance, if you get your hair cut out there, they always say, you know, you have to burn your hair up mm -hmm. because if the crows get to it or something, you're going to go crazy. Crazy, <laughs> yep. We both have heard that growing up. Um, a lot of the things about just how if someone is giving you the evil eye, like if someone's giving you that glare, what is that saying? And you say a quick prayer to disarm that, you know, all of these things. And I just remember saying, wow, I listened with intent. I absorbed everything. And also I took a lot of that knowledge with me and I share it with people that I know just in the sense of spiritual health and wellness, because there is a principle out there that's called Hosho, which means lip walking and muting and living in harmony. And Hosho, yes, there it is. Yep. And that basically means that you're walking a good path, you know, that you're leading life as best as you can, that you're going to have challenges, you're going to have daily stresses, but you're working to conquer those in any way possible. So I would say that in a spiritual sense, them being open with me taught me so much. And I still to this day, I go back and visit at least once a year. Mm -hmm. And each time I'm picking up and learning more and more. I love that. So basically they saw something special in you and opened their, their arms to you. <laughs> in the most humble way possible, I would say. Yes. And I'm thankful for that. And I saw the same come thing. On, in honey, you know, you're the bomb. Like, come on now. <laughs> Thank Go ahead and toot your horn. Give yourself Thank your you props. <laughs> Thank you. It means a lot. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I'll take it. Yes, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Okay, so there is, just continuing off of this conversation, there is a, I would say because of how private, you know, the spiritual and the traditions are you know the reservations there's like a bit of a social discord you know between i feel like mm -hmm. black americans and you know native people yes um i don't know if it's because you know a lot of us black people you know do have native blood but mm -hmm. you know, mixing and you know slavery you know and things like that um i think there was a point you know in slavery where you know Natives were selling blacks and all kind of stuff. You know, it's just, That's it's right. just a lot. Um, so there's kind of a, a discord um, between the two. What do you think about it, one? And do you feel like there is a possibility for a, a remedy or a solution? And if you do... I guess what what would it be, or what would what would be your take on it, on how to break very, that? Very, very. <laughs> so, Trelisa, I look, this is a powerful question because this was something that I really focused in on while I was out there. Um, because I thought about a few things. So the first thing that I thought about was growing up, what I had heard about Native Americans. Um, 
And I feel like growing up in a school system on the East Coast, um, Native Americans are almost talked about in the past tense mm. to the point almost as extinct dinosaurs. Like it's like, oh, the Native Americans were, were, were. And the were is used, which is always a past tense term. And I remember when I first flew out to Navajo Nation, and I remember I was coming from Albuquerque, flew into Albuquerque, had to drive two hours west into Arizona. And I remember passing all these reservations. It was like Laguna Pueblo, Acoma Pueblo, um, Zia, Isleta. And then it's like Navajo Nation coming up. And I'm like, that's five different tribes. And you could see the restaurants. You could see the signs for the food, people selling stuff on the wow, side. Wow, that's awesome. Yes. And I'm not going to say or and act like it's Gloryland. They go through a lot of hard struggles, but just to see the abundance of people and the wealth of resources that they had, I said, wow, it was all Native Americans with the sprinkling of white people. I didn't maybe saw one Black person, but just to say that that richness and culture, we're not taught that. We're not taught that there's so many existing tribes. Mm-mm. And I said, whoa. And they looked at me and they're like, oh, you're brown too. So they're hugging me. They're embracing me. They're like, which tribe are you from? And I'm like, I'm Black American, but I do have Indigenous ancestry. And they're like, oh, okay. And I remember feeling this warmth. It felt like I was with aunts, uncles, grandparents. And actually, my white roommates felt more left out than I did. Did they? <laughs> yes. Felt way more left out. Um, And I remember just feeling this sense of warmth, the sense of comfort, the sense of reconnection and being watched out for in a way of, we got you. If anything happens, we're here for you. If you need something, please call us. And that to me made me ask a lot of questions. Thank you. And I remember really listening to a lot of the elders that I work with who were in their 60s and probably early 70s now. And they were saying that when they went to boarding school, that there would be a lot of missionaries there that will basically almost do, I would say, like training in the way that they would show you a picture, like a book. Mm-hmm. And in that book, it may have, say, like a Black person. It may say that this is not a model citizen. So it was a lot of programming. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would be taught, like, how you should dress, how you should carry yourself, hospitality training, like um, some stuff beneficial, like keeping a clean home. But a lot of the stuff was programming in the sense of, the tier of human relations in terms of a hierarchical construct, which is real deep, but just to say that white people are on top, then it will be like Asian people, then it will be um, Native Americans and Black people at the bottom. So a lot of tribes, I would say in the U.S., went through that same boarding school process, and they have a viewpoint of, say, Black people based upon the way that they were taught in boarding school. Now, back in the day, It was not like that because anyone who was brown was seen as a child of the sun. Um, This brown is powerful. (laughs) Right, right. Yes. How things have changed. How things have changed. You're the power (laughs) of melanin. So that new construct, I feel like, was definitely domination in a way. Supremacy, 100%. But it ended up setting up the system for where we live in today in this racist hierarchy structure in America to pinpoint not only how white people are treating Black people at the time and also lingering into now, but also to say, okay, these are how other races are going to view Black people Mm. through this programming. 
which is very deep because it's almost a psychological form of manipulation. So deep. It, it is. It is. Yeah. It is psychological manipulation and abuse towards us. <laughs> yes. So the cultural exchange between myself as a Black American and the Native Americans that I live with was real powerful because they got to see, oh my, this is how the culture is. And also to see the numerous similarities that we have culturally as well, um, which really was shocking for, like, for us both, but also a sense of connection where many, many people now, I feel like what they've been taught, they're like, this isn't true. That's beautiful. So you kind of served as that bridge. Yes. You know? And I think that, I don't know, it just feels like that was just something that was fated, you know, like mm -hmm. a divine, a divine appointment, like for both of y'all, like, and I don't know, I just think that's beautiful for you to be there and to be this example, you know, for a whole community, because I feel as, as bad as it sounds like. One apple can spoil the whole bunch. You know how one person, <laughs> how one person acts. You know that first impression is everything, and people will look and say, "Oh, well, they'll see a black person acting out in public or something like that, and they'll think everybody's like that." You know exactly. Yeah. So it just is what it is. So for you to be there and to have just such a good experience, and for them to see how similar you know we all are because we all are basically the same. Yes. I just think that's beautiful. Like. And I don't know. It's, I, I like. <laughs> Thank you for the love. <laughs> no, um, no problem. Okay, so let's let's see the next question. So, if they were, um, are there any like this is like the last question around this topic? Are there any misconceptions that you want to clear up about you know medicine men or medicine women or you know the Native Indigenous community or Navajo nations, you know, is there anything that you want to clear up? Any misconceptions, any myths that you want to say, like, hey guys, like, just not true, cut the crap. Like, <laughs> yeah. One thing I want to definitely hint at is um, something that's big that like a lot of people have about Navajos, but Indigenous people in general is the alcoholism. Um, mm. And I want to say to take a look at what. Indigenous people and also to highlight upon Black Americans what people have been through and to see what is leading to that. Um, a lot of it is processing. So when people have been through so much and if they have genetics that are prone to addiction, which a lot of um, Indigenous people do, a lot of Black Americans do, um, alcohol in a sense is something that is almost utilized to, I would say, mentally numb the trauma. Mm. So it's almost like, okay, I'm drinking because I can't process on a daily basis. I'm doing these things to process through these emotions, not realizing how detrimental it, it is. But in addition to that, something even deeper is that a lot of the colonists pushed a lot of indigenous Americans to drink. So alcohol was actually given like out. I read that. Like, mm -hmm. kind of like the, the crack, how they gave the blacks the crack. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Wow. And I think that people don't see these links, especially if you're not from this country, you're not definitely going to see them because you don't know the history. You see, like you mentioned earlier, Chalisa, what's on face value that you're seeing right now. If you look at those roots, it all makes sense, but they gave it to them knowing that they could not process it, that it would literally drive them crazy. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And if your land's been taking, if 
certain resources have been taken. If you're not able to have a daily income or sustain yourself, eventually you enter this phase of self-destruction. So I think that there's a lot of recovering that's happening from people's ancestors being taken out, stuff being taken away by force. And there are times when people turn to stuff like alcohol. Um, it's definitely a problem that needs to be fixed. Um, there are people that are working, there are psychologists, there are people of, in the mental field and psychology field that are working on these reservations daily. But I do want to clear that up just to say, to look at the roots, to say, how did this happen? And we can see that, like we just talked about in Black communities as well. Yeah, um, and that's still, it's, it's crazy because I, I work in the healthcare field, um, public health. And, you know, so I know about all the stats for, you know, disparities and drugs and alcohol, mental health stats for like subgroups. And it's crazy because that is, you know, when you talk about disparities and like issues certain subgroups have for that population, our main focus has always been alcohol, alcohol and tobacco mm -hmm. reduction. So you still see that, you know, in their community as, as a, as an issue or whatnot. Yes. That's, that's very, uh, I didn't know the history behind it. So that's very mm -hmm. interesting. So I thank you for sharing that. Um, and giving the background, like. Absolutely. You, let me be quiet before I get in trouble. You know how I get <laughs> out here killing, stealing, and destroying since the beginning of time. My God. <laughs> Just, whoo. Anyway, <laughs> so running back to the more practical side of things, earlier you mentioned that you are a project manager. Um, me getting into that field myself lately, I know hey. how much. <laughs> <laughs> of a stress it could be I know it's a lot you know for, like I mean, it's a lot like it's not a job that you know you just go in get out and it's this easy thoughtless mindless thing no you're gonna work <laughs> you're gonna be busy you gotta be organized like you gotta have stuff on point <laughs> so how do you manage you know being a full-time project manager and then you know like the spiritual side of your life because you're a medicine man you're um, a Reiki master and you do spiritual services and things like that and then you're very spiritual of course yourself you're medicine man so you have your own spiritual routine to tend to and that can take up a lot of time how do you balance that and also how the how do the two inform each other if if they do like do the two work in tandem together so it doesn't really feel like you're balancing two different aspects of your life how can you expand yes very good question um so I remember when I first started um, in the spiritual aspect of doing the spiritual work, and I remember someone telling me that you have to pick one or the other. And that was something that really stuck out to me because I said, wow, I said, I don't think so. I said, I'm going to charter myself a different path because I love, yes. the, you know, I love the project management, love the IT, and I love the spiritual work. So I would say during my core work hours that I'm focused on core work. And after that time, so it'd be like after five, if someone needs something, I will always allow hours during that span. And I feel like I was realistic with setting boundaries, still am to say, okay, if I'm not feeling it, I'll be honest with that person to say, let's move the appointment. Um, I would say, let's get a time that works for us both. And I will make sure that's a time where I was able to clear myself out from work so I can give that client my best. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I've done since I started up until now. And I feel like it's really helpful with keeping things balanced, especially with having family, 
and having a social life. It's just like, I always try to make sure that I can put forth my work, but I'm also able to balance other responsibilities. And you asked another powerful question, which is how do the two work in tandem? Mm -hmm. Very powerful question. I would say that in a spiritual sense, once you open yourself up and to anyone, I would say not even someone that's a medicine man or a Reiki master or practitioner, just someone that is meditating daily, you're going to see things from a whole different lens and perspective. Um, I can walk up in a meeting and I can see, it could be a whole team, but I can see who on that team gets along with each other, who on that team does not. Um, if someone is holding something, I can feel my heart tense up. You can feel the room tense up. Seeing things on an energetic perspective sometimes can be too much. It can be overload. But I think that it can help you function better in the workplace because you can see sometimes if someone is really aggressive, that is not necessarily the work, but that they may have some stuff that they're bringing into the workplace. And sometimes I always say to myself, and I swear by this, that I never give anyone any kind of healing or any kind of anything without them asking. And then once, yes, (laughs) once they've asked me, then I ask them if I have permission to give them a reading. It has to be a two-way because I feel like a lot of people these days just start giving people readings. That's not how it works. You were at work. You don't want a reading. Exactly. (laughs) But some people I noticed, Trelisa, they can sense something about you. Yeah. And they will ask you and they will say, there's something about you. And I would just be vague and I'll say like, what do you mean? Like, what are you picking up? And they'll say, it's just- Good and well, you know what they figured out. That's right. They know something some way. And sometimes it'll lead into a deeper conversation. But I will say that my last part is that when you are walking that path, that you radiate differently, people will look at you differently in the workplace and outside. You may see someone just looking because there's something around you. There is a something coveted that they can sense and pick up. I'd have to agree with you there. And um, I just love the answers and the perspectives that you gave. Um, And I also feel like I learned a little bit because, you know me, I have a hard time like balancing things out. (laughs) Just just as a, you know, uh, a a spiritual practitioner who also works full time, I think boundaries also. I learned that from Ronnie, too. Boundaries are like super important. Oh, yes. Having, you know, a set time for, you know, your practical stuff, you know, your work, getting your work done, paying bills. Like we're still we spiritual, but we still (laughs) got to live out this thing called life. And we have. Oh, yes. So, you know, get all your practical stuff out the way. Do your work. And then after that, that's when you can focus in on like your spiritual work or your spiritual um business or if you have clients or social media or whatever it is um I think that's a great great advice and then just to them working in tandem like yeah I experience the same thing you do like people just I guess your aura is different you glow different basically the vibe different. different and um just about them working in tandem I find that like I'm I'm a person who you know is very much merged for me. Like if I fall off my spiritual routine, like I'm not shit physically. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I I have to do my journaling. Like I have to do my spiritual baths. Like when I fall off on that stuff, that meditation, like I start feeling bad physically. 
So it's like, you know, it's kind of hand in hand for me sometimes. Like it's, it, yeah, it's my spiritual, but it's practicality for me too as well. And um, I think that's where like holistic health comes in and then functional medicine comes in and just, you know, how it's all in the same spectrum to a certain point. Um, and I'm rambling now, but I'm just glad that like science and medicine is kind of like bridging the two slowly. Yes slowly but surely like we're seeing that integration and that makes me really happy <laughs> absolutely and I love hearing your perspective too because you're someone as a full-time mom that's a lot of work and to be able to balance the two it shows that you can integrate those aspects as well so the life of putting your family first as a mom and then the work side and the spiritual side to show that it is possible some people think it's not and I feel like we're examples to show that, no, you can do it as long as you have will, you got your stuff planned out. And it's not hard. Like once you get into the motion, it flows. It does flow, especially if that's your destiny, like the life you're mm -hmm. supposed to live. Like, and I feel like when we don't really aren't aware of our full potential and aware of like all that we can do and have access to, right. we do have like that cap on our thinking or a cap on what we can do because I remember I had that limited thinking for a long time or sometimes people will call it like a scarcity mindset mm -hmm. because you know you just look at what's around you and you're like I can't do this nobody else has done it it's like well baby girl you may be the first to do it like that's right inspire thousands more to do it um I don't know I just believe that we're superhumans and literally like if we put our mind and our will to like mm -hmm. our desires, like we can reach in all of our goals. I truly believe that. Like, I really believe that. <laughs> it's powerful. Like that potential that you mentioned, I feel like we're brought up in a system that almost makes you feel like that there is not much potential because as humans, we are limitless and the depth of what we can reach is almost feared by the powers that be. Hello. You know? I agree. You better preach, Ronnie. <laughs> Don't let me get started. On <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. They'll pull our podcast off the. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. So now I want to dig into your, your psyche a little bit. And I'm going to ask you some questions. And you can just give me like real just brief answers. It's kind of not rapid fire, but it's just going to be like boom, 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 boom. These are like the, the, the questions that I. Like they're going right. to be, let me stop. Let me start over because I, <laughs> I have to, okay. So here we go. All right. So next I'm going to dig into your psyche a little bit and ask you, you know, some philosophical questions about life and, you know, whatever is the first thing that comes to your head. That's what we're going to go with. All right. So All right. from a Reiki, uh, a Reiki master, medicine man, spiritual man's point of view, what is the purpose of life and why we're here? Oh, this is a powerful question. So I'm going to give it to you straight. No chaser. Um, yes. I feel like that this is one of the hardest dimensions to incarnate on. Mm. It is one of the most dense dimensions in the universe. Um, and I think that this is almost like a spiritual school so that your soul has a contract where you actually volunteered to come here. You made and signed an agreement before you incarnated into the spacesuit. You choose your parents, you choose your partner, you choose everything. And what happens is that it's almost like going through a pressure cooker that while you're here, you're 
learning all these things, all these spiritual lessons. But I would want to say that while you're here, you also have free will. Mm. So even though you sign that contract, each and every person is not going to learn what they meant to learn while they were here. In addition to this reality, it's almost set up as a matrix, hence the movie The Matrix, because there's so many distractions and so many hard things that are meant to pull you off your path. Now, we're in an unusual time because we're living in a very biblical time. So what yeah, we that? are. <laughs> yes. You know, there have been portals that are, have been opened up. So you have certain beings that have been assigned as agents to actually pull off certain people off their path. And if you're someone well, nah. that's right, walking as a healer and walking in your light, there are more agents that have been assigned to you that are working on a spiritual scale and the physical scale. There may be a coworker that you have. There may be a next door neighbor, um, <laughs> you know, not to spur any fear, but just to say that this is a different time. So if you're on living at this time, it's even more powerful because that means that you have a powerful purpose to anyone listening to this call that you have a powerful purpose. These times are very prophetic. Um, when you leave this life on this plane, you continue to ascend. And I think people get so caught up in this physical that they forget that. And we aren't meant to remember our past lives. We are spirit. Um, when you go to sleep, you're visiting that spiritual world. When you're dreaming, you're visiting that world. When you're daydreaming, sometimes you're visiting that world. But to know that this suit also is connected to earth. So that as long as we're communing with earth, we can implement grounding and that connectivity. I noticed that when I first came into this path that I was, and you noticed this too, Trilisa, when you met me, you actually told me this, but I was so caught up in the spiritual that I was almost like too light to where it was almost like, like mm -hmm. this. <laughs> and it was very intense and it was very airy. But as I connected with the earth, it balanced the energies out and it helped bring in more grounding. So I would say too, while we're here to really nourish this energy, go on a walk, open up your window, let in some fresh air, go to the ocean, the park. Um, but to sum it up, we're here to learn. Um, we're living on this earth under spiritual laws. We're here to experience too, to have fun and experience this physical realm, whether it's eating, whether it's love, family, friendship. So people of past cultures, as you can see with the pyramids in Egypt and Mexico and South America, they lived Literally, they're preparing themselves each day to die. And they weren't, they didn't have as much enjoyment as we do now. If you were a royal, you may have had some more enjoyment. But a lot of those people literally knew that purpose so much to the point that they couldn't enjoy life. So I would say to always walk in balance, but to know that you are here for a divine reason, each and every one of you. That's beautiful, Ronnie. And I had got chills and tingles when you were talking because I didn't expect you to go there, but you did. And I'm so glad you did. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was such a good answer. So you touched on this a little bit, but from a medicine man, Reiki master's point of view, what is the afterlife and how is it significant? Like, mm. is there heaven and hell? Like, do you believe in heaven and hell? Like, what is your take on the afterlife? Where do Very we go when we die? Yes. Very, very good question. Um, I believe that the afterlife is very, very multifaceted. Um, and I'm going to break it down as best as I can. Break it down for me. So I'm going to take it back. Um, where we're living at right now, this earth, 
this earth is currently under everything is under the dominion of God, but the ruler of this planet would be um as they will call Satan or Lucifer, because when Satan was kicked out of heaven, Satan, when they said the underworld, it was literally honestly a representation of earth. Um, so Satan is currently on this planet. At the same time, God is present. We have angels that are present. But when people think about a lot of the stuff that happens or they see there's so much going on, there's a constant battle between light and good. So I would say that for someone that is living out a good life, you're going to ascend. And actually, you have free choice to the dimensions that you would like to incarnate to. Um, you have the free choice to say, okay, I would like to go here. Um, if you're living out a good life and you know, you're trying your best, and if you have that light heart, I feel like Ma'at from Egypt comes in. We, they talk about oh. the weighing of the scales. The yes. that came through when you said Ma'at. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> you felt it. You felt that. I felt it. Oof. And say that if you're someone that has done a lot of bad stuff or if someone that has not really lived out a good life or if you feel like you would like to learn more, then I know that people also, there's a few things that may happen. Sometimes the person may be judged and God or spirit may say that you're not ready and they may repeatedly reincarnate until they're able to learn those lessons and that energy becomes powerful enough for them to be able to ascend. And on that third scale, this is when it gets deep. There's some people who are actually so attached to this reality in this realm that they have no interest in ever physically, um, spiritually ascending to another dimensional realm. They will reincarnate here over and over again oh, because they love it so that. much. Like some people love, love it the here. <laughs> A lot of people, Teresa, <laughs> they may love the material. Um, they may love just the energy. Um, a lot of people that are ego based. And what's happening now is that our say, the, demon, the, the, the demons like it here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, saying it without saying it. Yeah, because I feel like our future generations are becoming very um, ego based, unfortunately, with the technology. So a lot of people are more caught up in the physical. People need hype dopamine constantly, constantly. Mm -hmm. So people are not realizing that there is something more than this. And then a lot of people as well, you may have someone that may have went through something where it may have been tragic, an accident, or they may have been taken out. There may be earthbound spirits that didn't finish out their mission that may be stuck here. So that happens as well. Heard that. All right. So I feel like I pretty much like have to agree with you. I feel like, you know, Growing up, I grew up Church of God in Christ, and you know, it's not heaven and hell. And if you're bad, mm -hmm. you go to hell, and if you're good, you go to heaven, and that whole thing. But you know, coming into my own awakening and things like that, you know, for me, death is it's a transition. And yes. like you said, um, you know, you can learn your lessons. You know, ascend on the other side. You know, because on the other side is. It literally is a continuation of life. Yes, and that's it's a great right. Dimension, you know what I'm saying? You're still learning. You still that soul don't go nowhere. Okay, that's right. Um, like you said, you here. You know, if you learned your lessons, you ascend. You know, get a choice to come back. If you want to come back here, you want to chill up there, or <laughs> you know, if you still got some work to do, which we all have had to do, mm -hmm. you know, you gotta come back and, and learn. That's right. 
So that those are my beliefs also. And um, I do believe in that free will, like destiny, fate and free will. Like you have a destiny, you have this potential, but you also have free will and the choice not to reach that potential. So there it is then. <laughs> yes. There it is then. Then. So Ronnie, closing out, closing out. If you could, um, a few questions to close out. If you could go back to the beginning, you know, just of your um, spiritual journey, your healing journey, awakening journey, what advice would you give to yourself and why? Mm. Like specifically you. Really, really powerful questions. So I would say to don't sweat the small stuff. And the reason why I say this is I remember the catapult. Like I had the journey, but I remember the catapult was just like, you have to change your life. It was actually, I was 19 years old um, in college and I was in 2015. Pretty young. Yes. Um, I'm thankful for each day. And I remember at that time I was having a weird thing where I remember I was working out one day on a treadmill and my ankle just started popping. And I was like, this is unusual. So I remember telling my parents, they're like, oh, just take a break from working out. Maybe you need some time. I've been working out every day. And I was like, all right. So took some days off, ankles popping, turns into feet popping, feet popping, turns into hands crackling, turns into like, every time I would walk, it sounded like, it sounded like, you know, when you have like um, crutches and you're walking and it's like, yeah, even though I was walking without crutches, that's how it would sound when I was walking. And then I remember they said, okay, you need to go to the doctors and figure out what this is. And I remember the doctor saying, you know, you can't test it positive for rheumatoid arthritis. Mm. And they said, you know, we know that you're young and that you're only 19 years old, but you need to get a spinal tap. And they said, but the thing with the spinal tap is that you more than likely um, can get, you can get paralyzed from getting it. And they said, if you don't get paralyzed, once the spinal tap is finished, we need to give you the rheumatoid medication, they said, which eventually will cripple you over time. So like my hands would have been like this and I probably would have been in the wheelchair. And I'm like, I'm too young for this. Like there has to be something else. So I remember doing a lot of research. Um, and this is when things started to open up about like meditation, about natural healing through foods. And I was like, let me get some books. Got My first book was Louise oh, hey, you can heal your life. And she had gone through a lot of issues with cancer and arthritis too. And I said, okay, I'm going to just switch my mindset up. I was in college at the time, so I was stressing over exams. I'm like, these will get done. Meditate, went outside for walks, fresh air, kombucha, juices, uh, different herbal teas, herbal medicine. And I would still work out, but it was much lighter and not as vigorous. I lost muscle in the process, but I said, shoot. Losing some muscle is okay as long as you can get your health back. I remember doing berries and all these things, um, olive oil. And I actually have a list for anyone that is experiencing arthritis that I know I send it to them. And I ask them, like, do I have permission to send this? Is it okay to help you with your healing? And they say yes. So it's helped them. Now I'm going to tell you my story, how it ended. Um, three months after that happened, I remember going back to the doctor because all my symptoms had disappeared. And I said, can you give me the test again? And they're looking at me like, when you walked in, it wasn't creaking anymore and you seem a lot healthier. So they had all of these questions. And I said, okay, well, 
let's just take the test first and we'll talk about the questions later because I knew in my soul, I said, this is going to come back negative. And they tested me. All the rheumatoid markers were negative. Oh my goodness. Ronnie, I've never, I don't think you've told me this story in detail. I have not told you the story. So (laughs) they said, okay, come back like a month later, just to make sure. So I said, okay. So I kept doing the same process. I did this process for like a whole two years up until 2017, just to make sure that everything was gone. So I came back a few months, a month later, and then they're like, it's still negative. I said, that's because it's gone. And they're like, hmm, that's really strange. Like, what did you do? And I'm like, don't you tell them. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not going to tell you what I did. But I said, um, in my head, I was thinking, I'd say, you know, I just really took a step back and just rested. And they're like, oh, okay. And I said, yeah. And I said, well, I'm glad that it's not there anymore. They said, yeah, that's great. So we're glad too. Um, And that's when I knew that there is more to this world and to this life than what is being told, that our bodies are more powerful, that if we connect in a spiritual sense. And I said, if this can do this, what else is out there that we don't know about? So to answer your question, that was the catalyst. And once that happened, I said, I went down the rabbit hole and learned more stuff than I could ever imagine. That's amazing, Ronnie. Like, and I'm so glad you like use this opportunity to, to share that story. Like for the first time, like I feel like that's one of the telltale marks of like a powerful healer. Like mm-hmm. there's always this, it's either like a tragic accident that happens or like this illness or whatever that comes out of nowhere or at a very young age. And, you know, some people have that determination, like it could even be mental illness, like you I'm going to heal myself from this. Like I'm not, Mm -hmm. and like for me, it was like mental, emotional. Like I'm not going to, I don't believe the doctors, you know, this is not, Mm -hmm. I'm not about to be popping pills all my life. I'm not about to be doing this all my, there has to be a way to actually like reset and restore the body. And I like how you said, like I rested. Sometimes it's so simple as rest. Yes. Like when we're at rest, that is when our body heals itself like that's when our immune like system kicks in the highest you know it's working at its highest function like sometimes rest you know but living here in the U.S. you know (laughs) working you know all the stressors we have the micro Uh the stressors that we inherit like from our our DNA from our ancestors you know we're carrying all of that stuff so it's so hard for our bodies to be just at rest you know just going through the day-to-day which is why like you said that meditation and taking that time out you know to sit and be still and like reset and restore your body you know that's top tier self-care and it's something that's so simple like taking that time out changing your diet you know eating the medicine of the earth, like the berries, the fruits that you mentioned Mm -hmm. and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Boy, you'll be a new person in no time. Like, (laughs) They're like, who is that? Exactly. Literally like they were when you walked in the door. Like, hmm? he's not creaking and cracking. Like he's (laughs) testing negative. Like that's just so powerful. Thank you for sharing that story. Thank you. So we got to the beginning of your awakening journey, healing journey and advice. So, and the advice you gave yourself. So what is the best piece of advice that someone has ever given to you during that time? Mm. 
Oof, the best that advice you still utilize today, you know? Yes. This, when you asked me that question, it hit me because there's one person that I can remember and it was an older black woman. And I was at a professional mixer um, in downtown DC. And remember this lady at the time was, this is 2019 and she was probably 68. So she's probably in her early seventies now. And it was a mixer where they were talking about black female and black male empowerment. But she came up to me and she said, wow, she said, I really have to come up to you as a young brother because a lot of the time she said, you don't really see young brothers in the professional space. And she said that you guys have it so hard because you're the protectors, you know, of our people. And she looks at me and she says, I want to give you a piece of advice. And it's something I say to myself over and over again. She said, always learn and grow, but never let anyone break you or break your spirit. And she said, people will try. She said, when people see that you're spiritually, physically sound and strong, it they do not like it. So she said that never let anyone break you. And she said, when the minute that someone has broken your spirit and then you give them the power for them to do that, she said, your life will never be the same. So she said, I just want to give that to you. She said, keep strong at all times. And I love the way that she worded it because I get what she's saying that to feel things, to experience things. But life is going to present a lot of challenges, especially as someone um, of a Black American lineage. But at the same time, to really, really keep strong and to not let those things break me, my spirit, you know? So that's something I've always kept. <clears throat> that is a beautiful and powerful piece of advice. And I feel like it is for everybody you know mm -hmm. i feel like we all experience challenges in life we all have that oppositional force and never giving up never allowing something to tell you like or to some something never allowing something to cause you to quit right exactly. or give up on your dreams and goals or something that you want for yourself like let the reason that you bow out of something be just because you don't want to do it no more but don't let nobody else be the reason for that. That's so powerful. Like, thank you for sharing that piece of advice. And last but not least, what, well, to anyone who is on a spiritual path or is having a spiritual awakening themselves um, or in a healing stage, what advice would you give them pulling from all the wisdom of your elders, all the wisdom from your life experiences up till now, what advice do you have for us? Oof. My best advice for everyone, I would say, is to be yourself, to follow your journey, and to listen to your heart. Even if your heart's calling is different from what this world calls of you, I would say to listen to your heart. It takes some time. There is no rush. Um, this life is beautiful. And as much time as it takes for you to figure out what you're going to do on your path, take that time. Um, they're going to be people that are going to tell you how you should live your life, whether it's family, whether it's friends. But I want to say that you have the ownership, you have the free will, and you have the choice and the right to say how you want to live your life. And as long as you're operating from your highest power and your highest self, and you're saying, okay, this is what aligns with my truth, go for it. And I would say that when you're living from your purpose, you feel different. You feel happy. You feel fulfilled. And if we see, we're seeing a lot of people that are lost in our world today, we're seeing that because they may not be tapping into their divine purpose. 
This matrix is set up to do everything in its power to take you away from your purpose. Sometimes it just takes, like we talked about earlier, Trilisa, sitting with yourself and just having some time to say, what are the things that call to me? What are things that I really want to do? And I want to say, this is something I had to remind myself, it is okay to work in addition to doing what you're really called for. It don't have to be the dream job as long as it's something where you have some passion Pour into that job, get your bread because you need money to operate in this reality and practice that in addition to whatever is calling for you. So I would say live out your dreams to the fullest and enjoy life, love life. Beautiful closing advice, Ronnie. Thank you. And thank you so much for being here with me today. It was a pleasure talking to you. Um, I want to ask you, do you have any services that you offer? Do you have any products you offer? Um, if people wanted to find you, get into contact with you, um, how would they do that? Yes. So, Trelisa, very good question. So, yes, I do um, have art that I sell. I have an Etsy art page. Um, my art shop on Etsy is Spiritual Arts Co. And in addition to that, I do have an Instagram art page. It's art dot and then Ronnie Ron. And if anyone has any spiritual services that they would like to get in contact with me on, please email me. My email is Ronnie, R-O-N-N-I-E, and then dot Townsend, T-O-W-N-S-E-N-D, number three at gmail.com. And if you're like, shoot, I can't find you. Hit up Trilisa. Trilisa. <laughs> we'll drop that information. <laughs> yes, I definitely know where to find Ronnie. I have some of his art that I can post up. Um, he did a beautiful water um, painting for me and it's glorious. Ronnie also is my Reiki man, my Reiki therapist. So I can vouch for his skills on that. Super on point. I actually tell Ronnie all the time. I probably shouldn't say this like because it's going to be public. But like, I feel like Ronnie does like better Reiki than like the Reiki master who taught us. But like, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, he's great. Hit him up. But once again, Ronnie, thank you so much for being here with the Odyssey podcast today. As you can hear, my little mini me is getting restless. So <laughs> I'm going to close out this um, this episode, and I just want to say thank you. It was a pleasure. <laughs> thank you so much, Lisa, for having me. It has been a pleasure, and I want to say, oh, man, this has been amazing. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Lisa. I'll see you guys. See, well, like, wait, let me, you want to say hi? Look. Hi. Hey, Miko. <laughs> Lord have mercy. She been itching to get in here, but yeah, I must say she gotta be up in there somewhere. I can see like head bobbing in the back. Yeah, that's what I was trying to hold. I was like trying to hold back my laughter because she was just like, he's like, please, he's like, exactly. but she did really good for the most part. I was like, mommy has to work. I was like, so stay out in the front, and when you come back, I'll come back shortly or whatever. And I heard her like in the front playing or whatnot, and oh my, she did pretty good. She did pretty good. That's good. I must say, I know I had to be hard because she's like, man, I wonder what she's doing in there. Mm-hmm. Because she's always like this, attached to the hip, and then like especially when she hears me talking to somebody, like uh -huh. she always tries to interfere. Like, oh no, somebody has mommy's attention. Like, <laughs> so awesome. she's so like, who I'm, is this person? Right. So I'm impressed. <laughs> hey. I'm all glad right. that y'all are doing well. Enjoy your Sunday. Get some good rest. You talk about sleep because I know we got back in the grind tomorrow. I know, right? I know. Aww. Well, all right, Ronnie. When I get this all edited up and stuff like that, I'll definitely send it to you to review before, you know, 
I posted out to the platform. But you have a good night, too. And I really enjoy talking to you. I enjoy talking to you as well. Have an amazing night and amazing week. All right. See you, Ronnie. Talk to you All soon. Right, I'll see you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Say bye-bye. Say bye, Ronnie. Bye, Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you guys. <laughs>